This is Power for Living, the Bible teaching ministry of Christ the King Church in Wakefield, Massachusetts. I'm your host, Feliciano Segundo, and our teacher is Father Michael Carl. So get all your Bibles and let's get started. For our teaching time today, we are going to go over the Romans passage because there's a lot of stuff in this passage. So let's look at Romans 4, verses 1 through 5. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Okay, so that's one through five. And what we have to first look at here is that Paul spent the first three chapters of the book of Romans telling us that naturally humans are lost. Now, in chapter 4, he's talking about salvation, and he's talking about how we are saved. And there Paul affirms that the work in the flesh gets us nowhere. Now, what is the work of the flesh? Well, it's the stuff that comes naturally to us. It's the things that we try to do on our own strength, and a lot of times for our own reasons. And a story that illustrates that very well was put out by Pete Briscoe this past week. And he started it out with a quote from Abraham Lincoln, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for that day. Now, have you ever sat in a group and found yourself getting impatient. All is innocent enough. A group of believers discussing a best-selling book, but your cheeks are flushed and your heart rate has increased. Your group is halfway through the content, and each week the conversations have followed a similar path. I want to do great things for God. I'm going to try harder this week to please Him. I'm going to do this for God and do that for God. And you feel this holy impatience on the inside with it all because you know we cannot do what only God can do. Eventually you decide to speak up. Are you aware that me doing something great for God is like an ant trying to teach LeBron James how to slam dunk a basketball? When Libby and I were in the early years of our marriage, Pete continues, and having a hard time communicating, I thought I'd go home and clean the house. I was so proud of myself, feeling certain that she'd walk in the front door, jump into my arms and tell me how great I was. Instead, she said nothing. So I said, well, look what I did. Thanks was all she could muster. When I shared how disappointing her response was, she told me she didn't know why, but the clean house didn't feel very loving to her. Libby was right. I had cleaned the house in my own strength, 
to get appreciation from her, not to demonstrate my love for her. So I asked God to show Libby his unselfish love through me. I prayed and waited for the answer, and sometime later, I felt God wanted me to clean the house again. I told him it hadn't worked out very well the first time, so why? But I did it anyway. This time, when Libby walked in the door, her eyes filled with tears, and her heart was full of gratitude. The same act done with different motives, a different source, yielded a completely different result. This is the difference between flesh and the spirit. When we stop operating in our own strength, God is free to move. There's so many times when I have tried to make various people happy, but have done it generally on my own strength and for my own particular self-serving reasons, but not in the spirit. Because there's a big difference between those in that story from Pete Briscoe illustrates that beautifully. Where when he did it in the flesh because he wanted some gratification from it, it didn't work. But when he did it as an act of love from Christ, it was totally different. Abraham did not have any reason to boast. We look at Abraham's record. What did he do? Well, first of all, he went down to Egypt and he told the Pharaoh that his wife Sarah was his sister because he was afraid they would kill him. So that didn't work out, but he went back to Canaan. And then there's that little episode where a few years later they were waiting on God's promise and they decided they wanted to help God out. And Sarah gave Hagar, her maid, to Abraham. And then they had Ishmael. Ishmael was not the child of promise. And the Israelites are still to this day dealing with the fallout and the ramifications of that unwise decision. And then Abraham went somewhere else and told them that Sarah was his sister and not his wife. And the same thing happens. So Abraham didn't really have a whole lot to boast about, except for one thing. In Genesis 15, 6, it says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that's the difference. Abraham, when he put his trust in the Lord and did things God's way, got radically different results. In verse 3, we see, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So what we have there is that Abraham was one of God's first people who were justified by faith. And again, that citation is Genesis 15, 6. And verse 4, to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Now, if you put in the time, wherever you're working, don't you expect to be paid? Well, see, then that employer owes you the money because you've done what was required to get it. And so that's a debt that's different than faith. Now, Paul says something totally outrageous here in verse 5. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. And so... We say, wow, doesn't work? 
we are so used to the notion that we have to work for everything. And in faith, that doesn't count because Spurgeon wrote about this very verse. I have heard that men that hate the doctrines of the cross bring it as a charge against God, that he saves wicked men and women and receives to himself the vilest of the vile. See how this scripture accepts the charge and plainly states it. You thought you did not that salvation was for the good, that God's grace was for the pure and holy who are free from sin. It has fallen into your mind that if you were excellent, then God would reward you. And you have thought that because you are not worthy, therefore there could be no way of your enjoying his favor. You must be somewhat surprised to read a text like this. Him that justifies the ungodly. I do not wonder that you are surprised for with all my familiarity with the great grace of God, I never cease to wonder at it. And that's true. So many of us still believe that we can get into heaven by being good. If you go to, and surveys show this, if you go to any evangelical church at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning, anywhere in North America, and ask any random number of people how they think they're going to get to heaven. And this is an evangelical church, and I think it was a Barna survey that reported this. Ten out of the 15 people surveyed said, I've lived a good life. I haven't killed anybody. You know, I said, well, that's good. And all my good deeds, and so I'm a good person. God should let me into heaven. And this verse plainly tells us that's not true. Not only that, there's plenty of scriptures that tell us that all of our good deeds don't amount to anything according to God's holiness and his expectations, which is why Jesus had to come and pay the price for us, because we couldn't do it on our own. Now, verse 13, we're going down to the next part. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. And by the way, if that was true, Jesus died for nothing. Because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. You know, that sounds strange. Where there's no law, there's no transgression. If there's no law, you can't break it, right? If there's absolutely no law, there's nothing you can do to break the law because there isn't any law. But Paul says the law was good. Why did he say that? He said, I would not have known that it was wrong to do some of these things if the law hadn't told me that it was wrong. So the law makes us guilty because we read the law, we know what we're guilty of, and then we say, ugh, I'm guilty. Then we go to Christ and we get all that washed away. Remember last week we talked about what justification is? It's being declared legally righteous or not guilty. So we go to the Lord by faith and that's how we earn or not earn. That's how we have our way made for us to get into heaven. The law brings wrath, but therefore it is of faith that it might be according to 
grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who be he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And salvation, according to this passage, is by faith alone, that it may be seen to be of the free favor of God, that we may not look to merit or look for, to human strength, but may look away to the abounding mercy of God in Christ Jesus and what a God we trust in, a God who quickens the dead. We have no faith unless we believe in such a God as this. We shall need such a God in order to bring us safely to his right hand at last. So, we believe by faith. And if there was any point you need to get out of this teaching this morning, it's that don't try to do stuff on the power of the flesh. You're not going to get the results you're looking for. And I always fall back to this one time that the Lord spoke about 12 years ago. And he said, if you do what you want to do, the results are on you. But if you do what I tell you to do my way, the results are on me. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Power for Living. If you happen to miss any of our other programs, be sure to go to our podcast page at ChristTheKingNorthShore.podbean.com. And you can also visit our website at www.ctknorthshore.org. If this program has been a blessing, feel free to let us know. Write us at Power for Living, Care of Christ the King Church, 4 Railroad Avenue, Suite 309 in Wakefield, Massachusetts, 01880. Or you can also send us an email at ChristTheKingNorthShore at gmail.com. You can be a part of this gospel ministry by becoming a patron of Power for Living. You can find out how by clicking the Become a Patron button at the top of our podcast page. That's it for this week, and until next time, remember that Jesus is your Power for Living. Mm -hmm.